Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. We are talking about home and how home is the best place to raise leaders. So, how about you? Do you want to raise a leader? I know that as I look around our nation right now, I'm an American, and maybe when you look around your nation, if you live in another country, I see that the world needs confident men and women of integrity who will lead in their homes, their churches, their community, and in their nations. And so I am committed as a woman of God to raise leaders. And I have realized over time that the very best place to raise leaders is in your home and my home. You know, some people are just born, natural born leaders, and people just follow those people. They have kind of a magnetism or a charisma, and sometimes people will follow them right into disaster. Sometimes they end up following them to their success. Unfortunately, a natural born leader, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have good character or that they care about the people that follow them. There are plenty of leaders around with personality, but no moral compass. Or there are plenty of leaders around who want to lead people, but don't necessarily care about them. Maybe when you're listening, you say, wow, you should see my son or daughter. They are a natural born leader. Well, I'm going to really encourage you. Be thankful for their gift of leadership, but train them to be a godly leader. I have a daughter who is just such a strong leader, and that was evident very early on. My mom used to call her sergeant, (laughs) and um, lovingly, of course. I was so grateful for her leadership because if we were going somewhere, she would get us ready, and if we had to make a plan to do something, she was the first one, and she could give everyone their jobs and organize, and I let her use that gift of leadership. But you know what I also knew? There's a backside to leadership giftings that we might call bossiness, and I did see that in her. And so I would tell her, you know, you are an amazing leader, and God wants you to be an even better leader so that he can just change some of the negative aspects into something really positive If you walk with Jesus and are filled with this Holy Spirit, and I have to tell you today, she's still a really strong leader, but she is so humble and so godly and so loving. And I'm so grateful that not only me, but so many people, especially her dad and others invested in her so that she is a godly leader. So what on earth is godly leadership? Well, I am so glad you asked. Godly leadership is a combination of character, love, and skill. So what do I mean by that? Well, as far as character goes, godly leaders start out with good followers and humble hearts. So you can't be a good leader unless you're a good follower. And sometimes those natural born leaders have a really hard time 
following other people's leadership, like maybe yours as the mom or dad in the home, because they have this tendency to think they're always right. But a good leader, a godly leader is humble and a godly leader follows others. Sometimes people will only work hard if they're in charge. And if someone else is in charge, they won't give their best. But a godly leader gives their best no matter who is in charge. Because ultimately, if we're a godly leader, we realize that we're just stewards. And God is the big boss. He's in charge of everything. And so a godly leader knows, sometimes God has me in charge. Sometimes God has other people in charge. But no matter who's in charge, I want to be a good follower. Let's talk a little more about character. When children grow up making choices to obey God rather than the world, they grow up to be godly leaders because godly leaders define right and wrong from the word of God. So if the word of God says something is wrong, it doesn't matter what the world says. They know that it's wrong. If a godly leader knows that the Bible says something is right and we should do it, It doesn't matter what the world says. They will do what's right, and they will stand up for what is right. And you can really see this in the area of abortion, where is it right to take a human life, even if it's still in the womb? The Bible's really clear in Psalm 139 that God creates human life in the womb, that that is a person, that your life began inside the womb. So if someone is a godly leader, they will stand for the protection of unborn life. In the same way, a godly leader will stand for the family in a positive way because God created the family and a godly leader is going to stand for the family and say the family is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. So as far as character, godly leaders are humble And they have godly character that is instilled in them over time, over a lifetime, really, or a childhood of choosing to do the right thing versus the wrong thing and growing in their relationship with the Lord so that their heart is transformed to be like God's. So we talked about godly leadership as a combination of character, love, and skill. The other thing is that godly leaders have a love for people that springs from a relationship with God. When we love God, his love fills us and it overflows for people. And that's one thing that First John talks about a lot is if we love God, we'll love people. It's not like you love God, so you got to love people. No, it's that if you love God, he will put a love for people in you. And so if you don't love people, The secret isn't to just go, oh, I've got to love people more. But the secret is to focus on Jesus and love him more because he will fill you with that love and it will overflow. So a godly leader will be motivated to do what's best for others. And that will include mentoring and teaching them. So a godly leader is someone who doesn't keep the focus on themselves. They're focused on God. They're focused on others. And they think, if I'm leading these people, what will be best for them? What will honor God and what will be best for them? And finally, godly leaders have skills. And one of those skills is wisdom. You didn't think wisdom was a skill, but it is. Because wisdom is applying scripture to everyday things in ordinary life. It's a skill to be able to read the word of God 
and figure out how it applies in different situations. And some people don't have that skill. To cultivate that skill, you have to spend a lot of time in the Word of God, memorizing it, reading it. But you also have to spend a lot of time with people who are able to do that well and and watch how they do it and learn from them. Jesus is the best example ever because he is able to take the Word of God and apply it to life in a way that makes complete sense. So to sum it up, godly leaders make wise decisions and they lead people in a way that is good and right. And to be honest with you, these men and women are rare. I believe Home Sweet Home is the best place to grow leaders. And also that homeschooling is the best method of raising them up. Why is that? Well, families are part of God's plan for raising the next generation. In the home where Jesus is Lord and his ways are put into practice, children flourish. Family members learn to love each other. They learn to treat each other with respect. They learn to work through conflict honorably and to serve the people around them. In a godly home, children's eyes become fixed on Jesus and people, and they grow up wanting to make a difference in other people's lives, not pursue selfish interests. So a home is like an incubator. If you think of it like a greenhouse, what happens? You plant those seeds, and those tender little seedlings grow. And then when it's time, you take them out to the backyard, and you plant them in the garden. If you just planted the seeds right in the garden soil, then the rough weather, the winter weather would kill them. But because you're planting them inside where you can regulate the temperature in a greenhouse, when you move them outside to the garden, they survive and thrive. And so we don't have to like suddenly just take them and plop them in the world. We have our whole 18 years or 21 years, however long our children are with us, where we're training them, we're loving them, we're nurturing them, and little by little, we're taking them out into the world. Just like Jesus did, he said, hey guys, we're going to go to this town, we're going to share the gospel, but hey, why don't you guys go off for a little bit here, and then come back and tell me how it went. Jesus did that, and that's what we do with our kids. We give them trial runs to experience leadership to experience serving and so that's part of the beauty of a home a home is like this greenhouse of love and peace and joy and it's a protection from the horror of the world because the world is can be a really dark place and you're probably thinking but you don't know my home I mean I lose my temper I yell my kids are fighting all the time (laughs) Your kids probably don't fight as much as you think, and you probably don't lose your temper as much as you think. But here's the truth. A Christian home, at its worst, is better than anything the world has at its best. So don't make light of your home. God gave you your home, and you're growing just like I'm growing, just like our kids are growing. But focus on the positive but realize that your home can be an incubator for leaders. So what I want to talk about is seven different things that you can do in your home to help raise leaders at home with homeschooling. So that's what we're going to talk about next. The first thing that 
we want to do in raising leaders in our home is raise men and women who fear and love the Lord. They respect the Lord, they want to honor Him, they want to obey Him, and they're devoted to Him with the passion. That's what we're looking to do. So how do we do that? Well, it starts with the Word of God. Is the Word of God honored in your home? Do you obey the Word of God? Do you read it? Do you study it? I was sharing with some ladies last night about the Word. We were looking at Psalm 19. And I said to them, when it comes to the Bible, we want to go broad and we want to go deep. In other words, we want to read the entire Bible on a regular basis. But we also want to get into serious study in some passages. So... Maybe you have a Bible plan where you read the Bible in a year. My friend Laura does that, but that is so hard for me. So I probably get through the entire New Testament every year, but it probably takes me three years to get through the entire Old Testament. But that's kind of my plan. I just sort of work through that all in, in three years. So I do read the New Testament more than the Old. But... The bottom line is that I am getting the whole counsel of God. And that's what's important. It matters that we get the whole counsel of God. We don't just skip Leviticus because it seems boring to us. We read the whole Bible. So when you read the Bible with your children and seriously obey it and let your children know, well, we're not doing that because here's this Bible verse and this is what it says. And really, if we're going to obey this Bible verse, we're not going to be able to do this thing over here. Or, Mom, why do we tithe? Why do we give 10% of our income? Oh, well, here, let's look at Malachi. Let's look at Second Corinthians. And so you're teaching your children why you do the things that you do. But then what happens when problems come? What happens when you have a big need? What happens when there's no money to pay a bill? Well, a godly family prays. You pray together. You gather together and say, Lord, we have no money to pay this bill, but we know you want us to be faithful. Would you provide? Or, Lord, Uncle Donald is having surgery. Would you please let everything go well? And so when children grow up where the word of God is respected and obeyed, and when needs come up, the family turns to God. They begin to trust God because you can't obey the word of God and not see how good God's ways are. His ways are so, so good. So you get to see how good God is. You get to see him answer prayer and it cultivates a trust in God. And when our children begin to develop a trust in God, ultimately they come to a season in their life When they exchange our faith for their own faith. So they might have doubts and questions, but hey, that's okay. You can help your kids walk through that. But if you're a teen and you are listening and you're thinking, yeah, that's me. I'm having a lot of doubts. Hey, that's super normal. You just talk to your dad or your mom or your pastor and read some books and Honestly, you will see that you can trust the Bible, that Jesus is who he says he is. But it's okay to have these questions because there are answers for you. And also, it's part of the process of coming into your own relationship with Jesus. Because there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. It's all the children of God or the children of the devil. And we want our children to become children of God. And so that is so exciting about a godly home because we get to raise children who love the Lord. 
Next, a leader needs confidence, and a godly home is the perfect place to build confidence. When a home is filled with loving kindness, it produces children that are confident. When you cheer one another on and say, wow, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you sang that song in front of everyone. Not only were you brave, but you have a beautiful voice. I was really proud of you. All those kinds of things build confidence in our children. And they're willing to try new things and even fail because they know that failures don't define them. See, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to step out. You're going to step out and try something. And sometimes you're going to blow it. I can tell you that. I've been in leadership positions a lot of my life, my adult life. And wow, when I blow it, I blow it big. And it's been embarrassing. It's been humiliating. But you know what I know? My failures do not define me. You know who defines me? Christ in me, the hope of glory. The righteousness of Christ is what defines me, not my failures, not my sin, not my mistakes. It's Christ and his love for me. And a leader has to be confident and to still be confident when they fall on their face, because all leaders do, I'm sorry to say, except Jesus. Leaders also take risks and they make mistakes. But a good leader, when he takes a risk and makes a mistake, learns from the mistake and avoids that kind of mistake the next time. Leaders have to deal with a lot of criticism and rejection. I am not kidding. I was super surprised to find out how freely people criticize leaders. From what you wear, to how you speak, to your tone of voice, to, you know, maybe you made a decision and the person who's criticizing you doesn't even know what's involved in the decision because to share those things, you'd have to break a confidence and yet still they criticize you and feel like they know better. And wow, sometimes their criticism is right. Sometimes it's wrong. It's really wrong. And you have to deal with that as a leader. That requires confidence. So if you want to raise leaders who will stand strong in their generation, you have to teach them to be confident because who they are is not defined by people's criticism. It's not defined by people's rejection. It's not defined by their failures. It's defined by their relationship with God. And that is such a confidence booster to know that no matter what, we are always loved by the Lord. Another reason that home is the perfect place is because home is a place where teachers and mentors can be raised. Leadership often involves teaching or mentoring. Parents that value education and use all of their life to teach their children produce kids who love to learn. So what do I mean by that? If you don't value education as a parent, if maybe you don't think education is a big deal, your children won't think it's a big deal. But if you think that learning is fun and you're always wanting to learn and you've invested time into learning, your kids subtly pick up that clue. Education is valuable. Reading books is a good idea. Learning new skills is a good idea. And they will imitate that and they will try to do that and they will put effort into doing that. And so that is so exciting because loving to learn is caught 
you can tell someone you should love to learn. Education is important. But if you don't really believe that and you don't live that way, they will not catch that. Valuing education is a way to teach children to value education. And what happens is when you do that, children love to learn. Now, if you have a lifestyle of learning that creates a wonder in a child, they're going to want to share what they learn with other people. So what do I mean by that? If you get excited in a Bible study when you discover something new in the Word of God, and you say, wow, that was awesome. If you're at a museum and you learn something new and you get excited, if you come up with a problem and say, oh, well, let's figure out how to do this, All of those things create a sense of wonder in your child. If you encourage them to ask questions and answer their questions, that creates a sense of wonder. And they begin to not only value education, but find the joy of learning. They're going to want to teach other people. They're going to grow up to be teachers and mentors. They're going to grow up wanting to lead a Bible study. They're going to grow up wanting to teach a class. Because when we are excited by something that happens to us, We want to do it, too. We want to bring that joy to other people. So these children who experience this, and homeschooling is the perfect way to experience this, they're often able to mentor and teach because it's very natural. They've loved learning, and so they want to share what they learn, and they learn to teach well. And not only do they learn to teach well, but they're excited about what they teach. So we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to hear from our sponsor. But before we do, if you're listening in February 2021, there is a Life Skills Leadership Conference that is going on. If you're listening to this podcast, you can look in the show notes. This is podcast number 130, and you will see in the show notes a link to that leadership summit, and you can click on it and get a free pass. And there are a whole bunch of homeschooling parents, bloggers, curriculum creators, speakers that are talking about leadership and how you in your homeschool can raise leaders. And so I really encourage you to take advantage of this. I'm one of the speakers. And I'm talking about biblical foundations of leadership. My husband is speaking, and he's talking about raising real men to be leaders. And so there's just a bunch of good stuff out there. I also have a talk on walking through conflict. Oh, that's a hard one, right? We don't like to walk through conflict. So this is called the Life Skills Leadership Summit. And go to the show notes, podcast show number 130, And look in the show notes and just tap on the picture of the Life Skills Seminar or tap on the link and you can get a free pass. And the the seminar is in February 2021. It's the third week. It starts on the 22nd and you will really enjoy it. You will just get, if if you're thinking, yes, I want to raise leaders, you've got to go to this Life Skills Leadership Summit. And now we are going to have a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This world needs real men. Real men stand firm on the foundation of the Word of God and battle daily to honor the Lord and spread His good news. After decades of helping dads and older men to mentor their sons and younger men, as well as mentoring his own son, 
Pastor Mike has written a book sharing many lessons and guidance, which are extremely helpful in raising up the next generation of real men. The Making of Real Men is a guide and framework for mentoring the young men in your life. You can find out more about The Making of Real Men and others in the Real Men series at PowerlineProd.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-L-I-N-E-P-R-O-D.com. Powerline Productions, being world changers, raising world changers. Listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, we're back. And we have been talking about raising godly leaders and how our homes are the very best place to do it. And so we've talked about teaching our children to be lovers of God, teaching them to be confident, teaching them to value learning so that they can become teachers and mentors. And now we're going to look at four more things. We're going to look at integrity. We're going to look at effective communication, servant heart, and self-discipline. So I'm going to start with integrity. Now, integrity, okay, let's just be honest. It's the year 2021, and when you watch Congress operate in our nation right now, I'm an American. If you're from another country, I'm an American, and our Congress is behaving badly. They're yelling at each other. They are talking nasty. Many of them are just lying through their teeth. They will have videos shown of something they did and then deny that they ever did it. It's just unbelievable. And so we're just living in a day and time when integrity is rare. And what is integrity? Integrity is that when you say you're going to do something, you do it, that you are who you portray yourself to be. Unfortunately, we live in a time of images where an image is more important than the reality. But the truth is what God values and what we need in leaders is people who are real and they have godly character. They're honest. They're hardworking. They don't try to get something for nothing. They don't try to use people. They speak the truth and they treat others with respect. So children who are raised to do the right thing, no matter who is watching, and keep their word, even if it's inconvenient, grow up to be men and women of integrity. Because we want leaders who tell the truth. We want leaders who keep their promises. And we want leaders who expect other people to do the same. I cannot emphasize how important this is. Integrity is a virtue that's lost in our day. It's just not there. And we suffer from it. It's very rare. One of the things that I appreciated about President Trump, now I voted for President Trump in 2016, but I wasn't that sure about him. I really didn't know much about him, and I didn't really like his tweets. But I'll tell you what impressed me. He made promises, and he kept his promises. And that, to be honest with you, shocked me. 
I was not expecting any politician to keep their promises. Well, what a sad day that we live in that I would even feel that way, that if a, if a politician makes a promise that I just assume they're not going to keep it. But that's the kind of day and age we live in. And that's why it's so important to raise men and women of integrity. So what does that look like in your home school? Say Fred, your son, tells his friend, I will make a cornhole board for you and your family. And the friend says, oh, no, that's okay. But Fred says, no, I want to do it. I can do it. I have the wood. I have a lot of free time. And then a week later, Fred still hasn't made the cornhole bowl. Cornhole board. And so you say to Fred, hey, Fred, didn't you tell your friend you were going to make him a cornhole board? And Fred says, yeah, but I really don't feel like it. And so you as a mom say, well, Fred, I'm sure that you're tired. But you know what? You gave your word. You said you were going to do something. And we are men of honor and women of honor in our home. So if you say you're going to do something, you need to keep your word. So then Fred says, you're right, mom. And he goes and he builds the cornhole board. Well, that's how you train your children to keep their word. And then what about doing the right thing? Make an effort to always, always, always praise your children when they do the right thing. Go overboard with this so that the most important thing in your family is not that your children are funny. It's not that they do well in school. It's not that they're beautiful. It's not that they're talented. That they feel that that you value the most their virtue, their integrity. I don't know of any other way that is more powerful than that. Because when your children realize the thing my parents value the most is my integrity, it will transform the way they view integrity because they will see it as something very important and very valuable. Leaders need to be effective communicators. Communication is at the heart of leadership, especially in our day and age. Unfortunately for me, it's the day of technology. So if you're a leader, you have to communicate through speaking. You have to communicate through videos, through podcasts, through texting, through email, through Facebook, through Instagram, through Twitter. Oh, my goodness. There's so many different platforms. You know, it it can be overwhelming. And so the first thing you need to teach your children is what communication is and what matters about communication. And what do I mean by that? Communication involves having something valuable to give to another person. Now, you can have a different medium. You can write it. You can speak it. You can communicate it non-verbally, but you have a message. You have something of value to give to the other person. So when you're teaching your children to write papers, when you're teaching them to have good manners, when you're teaching them to give a speech, you want to have them focus on the receiver of the valuable message. So let me give you an example. Today we're learning about writing descriptive paragraphs, and I am going to have you write a descriptive paragraph about the orange tree in our backyard. Now listen, I think your grandmother would really enjoy 
hearing about the orange tree because remember she was asking us if since we were moving to Florida we were going to plant an orange tree <gasps> yeah I remember that well why don't you write your paragraph for her Okay, so now Johnny is writing a paragraph for Grandma. He's not just writing a paragraph. His focus is on Grandma. I want Grandma to know how beautiful this tree is. I want Grandma to know how healthy this tree is. I want her to know what color the leaves are. I want her to know what color the oranges are. I want her to know that the oranges don't taste really sweet. So that is how Johnny is going to think. And so his whole focus is not just on the message, but on the receiver of the message. And in writing, we call that our audience. In speaking, we call that our audience. And if a communicator doesn't learn to focus on their audience, what do they do? Instead, they just focus on the message, and it's very self-centered. Like, I want to say this. Here's what I want to say. Blah, 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 blah. But they're not focused on the audience They're not focused on communicating their message in a way that the audience is going to receive it. So if you want to raise leaders, they not only need to have a good message, they need to have a message that is crafted for an audience. And so I would really encourage you from the very beginning, always have children write for a person or a group of people. Never just have them write a paper. Always give them an audience. Children who are treated with respect and engage in meaningful conversations with adults, grow up to be good communicators with good manners. You see, manners matter, and so does intellectual conversation. What do I mean by that? Homeschooling is the perfect environment to have intelligent conversations with your children. You can talk about theology. You can talk about politics. You can talk about how to start a business. You can talk about classic literature. You can talk about a movie that you like and how they use lighting in that movie to impact the plot. All of those kind of conversations are so helpful. If those kind of conversations are taking place around your dining room table, you are going to be raising leaders because your children are going to grow up. They're going to know how to communicate to adults. They're going to know how to communicate about important things. And they're going to learn to express their thoughts and their opinions in a polite way because you're not going to let them be rude. And manners do matter. One of the things that really troubled me about the election, really honestly the elections in the past 20 years, has been the incredible rudeness of one side to another. We can disagree with people and be polite to them. We can't express our opinions forcefully and not be negative and nasty. And so when we learn to speak to one another with kindness and love, it changes everything. Because people are valuable even if their opinions are wrong. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. Another part of communication is conflict. Leaders deal with conflict. (laughs) In the leadership, Life Skills Leadership Summit I was talking about, I did a whole thing on, on conflict. And conflict is hard. And I think if I would say, what is the hardest thing about being a leader? I would say dealing with conflict because you deal with conflict that you have with people. You deal with conflict that people have with you. You deal with conflict with other people have between them and they want you to intervene. So there's a lot of dealing with conflict in leadership. And if you have children, they have conflict. And that is the perfect training ground. 
Just think you are raising leaders. The next time your children have conflict, use it as a training ground. Hey, guys, come here. I know you guys are yelling at each other, and this is the perfect opportunity to learn to deal with conflict in a way that honors Jesus. And <laughs> All right, maybe you can't do it that, you know, upbeat, but teach children to walk through conflict, to apologize to each other, to express their opinions respectfully, to be able to share with another what they did wrong without personally attacking them. All those are leadership skills. And so next time conflict happens in your home, don't see it as a negative thing. Think, God is giving me this situation to raise a leader. There. Don't you feel better now? (laughs) Okay, servant heart. Jesus was the perfect leader. He led very differently than the leaders of his day. And he led very differently than the leaders of our day. In a home where family members help each other out and genuinely care about each other's needs, a servant heart is cultivated. Jesus is the perfect model of servant leadership. I love in John 13 when he washes the disciples' feet. No one washed the feet. There was evidently no servant. It was just them. And no, none of the disciples said, hey, your feet are dirty. I'll wash them. I'll wash everyone's feet. No one did that. And so Jesus himself took the basin and he washed their feet and he made himself the lowest. And that is what we do as leaders. When we're leaders, godly leaders, our heart is to serve. Our heart is to bless others more than we bless ourselves. And I think that's so significant to instill in our children. How do we do that? By being servant leaders as moms and dads, by serving them by sacrificing for them. You know, growing up, my mother and my grandmother, I always thought they liked burnt toast. But no, they were just serving by taking the burnt piece of toast so that no one else had to eat it. And that's what servant leaders do. They take the smallest piece so that someone else can have the biggest piece. And so as a parent, you want to regularly evaluate, am I parenting as a servant leader Or am I parenting by lording it over people? And if we can parent as a servant leader, we're going to raise children who are servant leaders. Finally, our very favorite leadership quality that we can cultivate in the home is self-discipline. The truth is leaders often find themselves with a lot to do. They have a lot on their plate. They're dealing with conflict. They're making hard choices. And all of it requires self-discipline. Let's start with scheduling. If you're going to be an effective leader, you have to be able to manage your time well. You have to have realistic expectations of yourself and of other people. And so learning to have a manageable schedule is super important. Now, how would you help your children grow up to manage their time well? Start when they're little by having a daily routine and let them learn to fit in to a routine. That's the beginning of time management, a routine. Like they know we have breakfast and Bible time and we do math and we read and do phonics and then we have lunch and then we have math and then we play outside and then we have dinner and then we have a bedtime story and we go to bed. That's our routine. And on 
so when we start when they're little with the routine and then when they get older, teaching them to create their own schedules, scheduling can become something that's effortless that they've just learned to do. A good leader also does not yell, curse, or belittle others in the middle of conflict, and that requires self-control. There are so many times that a leader is justifiably angry. There's so many times when people drop the ball. There's so many times when people attack you, but a good leader has self-control. They don't say something sarcastic. They don't blow up. They have self-control. Children are not born with self-control, just in case you don't know. And you're thinking, oh, I'm a homeschooling parent. I know that. But self-control is something that children can learn. And they can see it modeled in us, but they can also learn to control their emotions. They can learn to respond in a way that's gracious and kind rather than attacking. A good leader must make hard choices and accept responsibility if he makes the wrong call not blame others. So what do I mean by that? Say you're a leader and you make a call. You're going to plan to plant the garden today. You know, you're leading a garden club and you decide we're going to plant the garden today. And someone says, well, the weather is looking like it might rain. And if it does rain, some of the things we try to plant will be destroyed. And so you say, well, the weather's always wrong. We're just going to do it. And then you do it. It's a bad call. And a lot of the plants are ruined. It costs a lot of money. So now comes the test of a good leader. Is the leader going to say, I made a wrong call. You guys, please forgive me. I'm going to pay for this, these plants out of my own pocket. Or is the leader going to say, this is Joe's fault because the plants he bought were subpar. Joe needs to take responsibility for this. A good leader doesn't blame shift. A good leader takes responsibility and pays for things that he destroys out of his own pocket if necessary. A good leader needs to be self-controlled and disciplined. So when we teach our little ones when they're very young to obey cheerfully, control their anger, stick to a routine, and take responsibility for their actions, they're going to grow up to be self-controlled and disciplined, but we have to keep requiring self-control and discipline. Just because someone has raging hormones in their body, yes, we want to give them grace, but we still want to teach them to be self-controlled. Your home, like I said earlier, is like a greenhouse where tender young lives are nurtured before they're transported into the world. We get to introduce our children to the world a little at a time, preparing them to stand strong in their generation for purity and for honor. And I want to ask you, will you make a decision to view your home in a different way, that your home is the perfect place to raise the kind of leaders the world needs today. Your home is the perfect place. And if there are things you need to tweak in your home, then do it. But will you step out and raise tomorrow's leaders? And again, if you need help, if you say, I want to do that, but I need some wisdom, I really encourage you to 
Get your free pass to the Life Skills Leadership Summit. You will love it. It's sponsored by How to Homeschool Your Child, Carrie Beck, and I am just so impressed with the people that are speaking there. So anyway, we have gone through what it takes in our home, in our families to raise leaders, and I hope you can see that the caliber of leaders that we can raise in our home far surpasses any other way to raise leaders. Look around at your kids right now. They have the potential to change the world. And look at your home in a new way. And maybe even pray every day, Lord, let my home be a place where leaders are raised up. I'm so thankful that you spent this time with me. God bless you. Have another wonderful week until we're back together again. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.